45 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. We made it. We made it. We're barely here, but we made it, doggone you. <laughs> On the air somehow, some way. And I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. That's what you get at Farm Bureau. Let me give you a heads up on some of the things that you can expect in today's show. Now, first, coming up right now as we speak, there is a uh, press conference scheduled to start at Mississippi State with John Cohen, the athletics director there. Going to have a press conference, talk about the change in the head coaching position. I'm sure there will be a statement or two of praise of Joe Moorhead and, and thanks for some of the things that he did. A uh, brief, short explanation as to why they're making the change now. I'm sure that's coming up. It's scheduled to start now. I've got it pulled up. By the way, Roger not here today. Beaver is in. Beaver, happy new year to you, buddy. First time happy, I talked to you. Yeah, happy new year, Matt Wyatt. And uh, Beaver, I have this. All right, I have this pulled up on my phone so that I can plug it in. My iPhone 8 Plus from C Spire. On this show, I tell you how I'm connected to you because of Seaspire, the number one network in Mississippi. Here it is on my phone. Press conference. Associate Athletics Director. As we discuss the future of the Mississippi State football program, here's the format for today. Director of Athletics John Cohen will make an opening statement, then we'll take your questions. We ask that you please raise your hand and we'll get a mic to you. Uh, we appreciate your patience and are mindful of John's schedule as he will be heading out on the search immediately after this press conference. I now turn it over to Director of Athletics, John Cohen. As Bill said, we appreciate everybody being here on short notice this morning, on Friday. Um, earlier I met with Coach Moorhead. Um, after discussions with him, we informed him that we're going to go in a different direction with our football program. I want to say clearly that Joe Moorhead is a terrific man and an outstanding coach. I certainly wish the best to Coach Moorhead and his family in the future. Uh, he will have a bright future in coaching down the road. As the athletic director of Mississippi State, I'm constantly evaluating the trajectory of all of our programs, always in the best interest of our student athletes, our fans, our alumni, our staff. With our football season now complete and after a careful review of our program, we feel like it's in our best interest to move forward identifying a new football coach, one who is the best fit for Mississippi State University. Mississippi State's a unique place and will never waver in the qualities that have made us successful. We're blue collar, competitive, um, hard-nosed football team. and We play in the best division in the best conference in the entire country. 
We carry a chip on our shoulder, and we have to work outwork other people. We will identify someone who will develop our student athletes on and off the field, and we will identify somebody who will hold all of our student athletes in football accountable. We are family. We will find a head coach who connects with the most passionate fan base in all of college football. As you can imagine, a search of this magnitude is going to generate a ton of interest, and it's going to generate rumors. I ask that you take what you hear uh, with a grain of salt, unless you hear it from me. And uh, with that, I'm, I will take a few questions. John, Joe's a guy that finished 14 and 12, three straight top 25 recruiting classes, won two Egg Bowls. Why the change now? Yeah, certainly, you know, wins and losses matter. I, I coached long enough myself to know wins and losses matter. Um, and Joe did win 14 games. Uh, in this case, it goes a little bit beyond just, just wins and losses, although I want to state for sure that, that wins and losses matter. But there were some other issues at stake here that we had to consider. When you talk about some of those other issues, of course, the kind of got out there, the, the altercation in practice and whatnot, how much did that, those altercations and, and those things and the things that came to light and some of those issues, uh, how much did that factor into this? Well, everything factors in. So what, what you just mentioned is, is a factor. Is it the factor? No, but it is a factor, uh, one of several factors. Okay, we're listening to the John Cohen press conference at Mississippi State right now. The next football coach at Mississippi State, what are some of the attributes you're looking for? Is it a prerequisite that you have maybe a sitting head coach? Yeah, certainly there's a lot of those qualities, and we could probably have a very long conversation about it, but it's going to have to start with discipline. It's going to, it's going to have to start with having a hard edge. It's going to start with uh, helping student athletes grow both on and off the field. It's going to start with somebody who has a passion for Mississippi State specifically. As I mentioned before, this is a unique place, and we're excited about finding that person. With the bulk of the signing class already in, what's kind of your message to those guys at, at, during this transition? Yeah, we've, we have now contacted every one of our signees. Um, we know that this was a, a little bit of a, a bombshell to those guys. Um, they, you don't sign with one coach. You sign with Mississippi State University. Um, and we're willing to help those folks any way that we possibly can. And we look forward to our head coach having an opportunity to sit down and have a great conversation with every one of those young men. John, beyond the athletic department, do you all plan on using any kind of search committee to round out a list of candidates or anything on that? There, there will lines? not be a committee. Obviously, I work for Dr. Mark Keenum, and we will be in close consultation throughout the process. Um, we will use a search firm to create, get us some background information, but the search firm will have no bearing on candidates uh, or decisions to be made. John, does the Nets coach need to have ties to either the SEC or Southern Roots? You know, I, I think it, it's a real danger when you close in the bubble of possible candidates. Um, just as a quick example, if LSU had that mentality, they would have never hired Nick Saban. Um, we're going to do a national search. We're going to find the right person for Mississippi State University. 
John, was there kind of a feeling uh, that maybe that maybe Joe had kind of lost control internally of the team as far as discipline and accountability and some of the things that you mentioned a while ago when you said you would look for in the next coach? Well, certainly I'm, I'm not going to dig uh, in deep into that, but there was a series of events we had to evaluate and, and we had to make uh, the right decision for Mississippi State University. John, what's kind of the uh, the timeline there for your decision? When did when did you begin thinking if you were headed down this path, and ultimately when was the final decision made? Well, it's a never-ending evaluation process. Um, I, I, I'm not I can't I'm not going to pinpoint an exact moment, but certainly I, I had many discussions with our, our president, Dr. Mark Keenum, uh, during the course of the week, and um, actually you know we're having conversations all the time even before this week, so I, I'm not sure there's an isolated moment. Uh, again, it's a it's a series of events over time. Back to the front, we'll John, do you have an estimated timeline to where you might name a new coach, or is that just too hard to predict right yeah, now? Yeah, I just I don't want to restrict us in that area. I, I don't want to restrict us with a timeline. We're going to go find the right coach. We're going to find the right fit. Um, it could happen quickly, or it could take a little bit of time. So uh, we're, we're going to we're we started on that process already, and, and we're going to make sure we uh, do the right thing. John Tony Hughes was named the interim coach for the time being. Do you expect him to interview for the full-time job? Yeah, I don't, I don't think Tony's going to interview for the position. I have so much respect for Tony Hughes. He's a veteran in the Southeastern Conference, a veteran, veteran head coach. Um, he is a guy that, uh, I, again, I have the utmost respect for, and he's in contact with much of our roster right now. John, there's a lot of, of rumor past the Egg Bowl that this was going to happen in November, and it didn't. You, you, reassured, you reassured that Coach Moore was going to be here. Was it just one thing that happened in the, the past month that made that change, or, or was this something you were sort of leaning towards the whole time? Well, not, I'm not trying to be repetitive, but it's, again, it's a series of events. I think rarely is there one isolated event that, that causes um, a change. I, I, think, I know this was a series of events that happened, and, and we – I think we do a pretty good job of monitoring every aspect of the program. And, uh, and again, it, it, we felt it was the right thing to do. Back to Joel. Uh, I know we had talked before that the plan back a few weeks ago was to extend Joe back out to the full four years and things. Was that contract ever signed or, or anything of that nature? Was that ever executed? Um, I'm, I'm not going not gonna to dig into that. Um, again, I, I will say that I, I felt like at the time we built some momentum, and I was so excited about that momentum continuing forward for the next 30 days through bowl prep. Um, to me, again, we're evaluating that whole time. And again, some, some incidents came up that kind of altered our course uh, in this process. You said that off-the-field issues along with on-field problems were reasons for the change, but obviously firing a guy for two years after he making bowl eligible, how would you reassure a Nets coach that this could be a spot where he could succeed even, you know, if he makes two straight bowls and he's out of a job today? Well, it really depends on the nature of the coach. If we get the right coach, they're going to see this as a, an incredible opportunity with the best fans in college football. They're going to see this as a place that has incredible facilities, competing at the highest level. We've got to have the person who is not afraid to come in and compete against the best of the very best. And I think the SEC West, it's not even close when you look at it nationally. So I think it's all about getting the right guy, the right fit, uh, who clearly understands uh, the challenges of being at this level. 
John, I know there's always pressure when hiring a coach and a football coach in particular for you. This is your second football coaching hire in a couple of years. Is there any added personal pressure for you to get this one right? Yeah, you know what? I, I mean, I come from a sport where we played, if we made it to Omaha, we played 70 times a year. And I felt the same amount of pressure in every one of those 70 games. Um, you know, pressure is something that's self-induced. Um, I, I just, my, I'm honored to represent Mississippi State, and I'm honored to represent this incredible fan base. I have so many friends that I went to school here with, so many friends who are fans. Um, our fans get it. Our fans are edu educated, and um, I, I love them. I, I, I think they create the best atmosphere in college football right here, and I want to do this for them. I want to do it for our players. I want to do it for this great university. Um, not, not, so I, that, that's my motive, not, not anything about pressure. pretty unprecedented in Mississippi State history and not not all that usual around the country to after two years to, to dismiss a coach and things just how difficult of you know it was it this process and, and how quickly it kind of came about and stuff just what what has been the I guess internally in your mind that the dialogue and things is how tough has this been the last couple of weeks well I, I always say this to all of our coaches and I say it to my own children if you do something the right way it's always difficult right so Everything's difficult about this. We're altering somebody's career, somebody that I care about, somebody I think who is a great man with a great family. It's difficult. There's no question about that. Um, but in the end, it comes down to doing what's right for our institution, what's right for our student athletes, what's right for our staff, what's right for our fans. Um, that's, that's what it comes down to. And when you can isolate it in that direction, you feel good about uh, making the decision. John, I know you guys are going to cast a wide net, but Billy Napier's a guy who's been mentioned a lot in connection with this job. Is he someone that y'all have had contact with in the, at all in the early going of this? Yeah, we're not going to comment on, on any of our candidates. Uh, you know, I appreciate you asking that question. We are, I can tell you in the early stages of this, the amount of interest this has drawn from outstanding coaches from one coast to the other has been incredible. Um, I shouldn't be surprised because this is an elite football program and we're going to get the, the right guy. But again, really excited about the pool that, that we've been able to put together so far. You're hearing the uh, Q&A of the John Cohen press conference right now. Reaction. Did he seem appreciative of the, of the opportunity you got here? Or just could you share what maybe he, the reaction he had? Well, it, it's, obviously it's disappointing uh, for sure. I mean, he, he is a great man. Uh, he's a learned man. He's an educated man. Um, he, he, I, I think at it, some levels Joe immediately got it. Um, but I also think he, he recognizes the fact that he's got a, a coaching future in front of him and, uh, and that he, he, he's going to be successful and he's going to learn from this experience. All right, so that'll do it. That ends the uh, John Cohen press conference. You heard the Q&A, the full thing. You got the whole thing there for you uh, to start off the show. They began that thing right at straight up noon here today. And um, so let me know your thoughts. There are lots of ways for you to be a part of the show now that that part of the show is uh, behind us. Uh, let's move forward. I have plenty of thoughts on it. Uh, I'm going to, at some point today and maybe sooner than later, uh, jump into you know some organized thoughts for me anyway of kind of how it went wrong and what went wrong for Joe 
and staff and the team in the last couple of years at State, there's a lot of good. You're not talking about a program that won three games and then won two, or won five and then won four. You know, you're talking about a program that won eight and then six, a couple bowl games, and did have two wins over a rival team. But at the end of all this, that was not enough. Those factors were not enough to head off the decision that everything had lost some momentum. I want to go back to – let me find my notes. Kind of gross to pull something out of the trash can. But I want to go back to something that Ryan Brown said on yesterday's show. Y'all may remember this. Ryan is one of the hosts of the Jocks Roundtable show on WJOX in Birmingham. Incredibly popular, some of the most successful sports radio in the Southeast, right there in Birmingham, WJOX, and that particular show. And what he said when I asked him, I said, what's the perception of Mississippi State football under Joe Moorhead from your standpoint in Alabama on your show, and what do you think is the perception of State and Moorhead from those two fan bases in Alabama, across the state line, Alabama-Auburn fans? And basically what he said was, and I wrote down his wording, I thought it was very uh, good, specific. He said they think he was handed that job in a rare opportunity with momentum. Now think about that. Rare opportunity with momentum getting the job. And he went on to say that their perception is that they kind of squandered it and have lost that momentum. Now you may disagree with that, but I agree with it. I think it's legit. I think that's accurate. They were handed the program in as good a shape as it had ever been handed to a new coach. And it it wasn't like it fell completely flat. Like I said, it's not a five-win team and then a four-win team. It's just that that momentum didn't continue. It, it feels like and it looks like it was not capitalized on. And then when you go even more specific, it becomes pretty clear. Um, they did some good things, but there were too many bad things. There were too many times where the team was not ready to play. There were too many times where things were going on outside of focusing on a game. There were too many times when an offense could not get going to save its life. Just lots of inconsistency. And then you go, well, there's some built-in excuses, an injury to quarterback. Sure. Well, there's some built-in excuses, 10 players missing eight games. Sure, that affects the outcome. But why? You know, and again, it all goes back to, I think, decision on decision on decision. It just, it, it, it wasn't working. It just was not working. All right, so look, you want to be a part of the show, you can be today. Here are the numbers for you. If you're watching it, text me on the text line, 885-ESPN. It's 885-ESPN. That is a 601 number, 885-ESPN. Call me on the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment, Madison Ann and Jackson, your Kubota dealer. It's 995-1059. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. We'll start all that next. I'll get to your texts. We'll get to your phone calls. You want to get them in. Now's a good time. And I have those thoughts for you. Texts already coming in with potential candidates. We're going to go over the names that are kind of popping up out there on social media as possible candidates. You heard John Cohen say, anything you hear during this coaching search, 
His advice is take it with a grain of salt unless it comes from him. <laughs> that's, that's John's words, not mine, but that's what he said. Uh, so keep that in mind. You can also comment on Facebook if you're streaming it there on Facebook, and I'll take a look. Facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Uh, lots of comments. Everybody was making fun during the press conference. Beaver, I don't know if you could see it, but on the stream, I I forgot to put anything on the screen that said we were listening to John's press conference, so I just wrote it down on a note card and held it up like this uh, in front of the screen, and people made fun of, A, the fact that I used a green marker, and B, the fact that the note card only revealed the top of my bald head on one of the uh, streaming cameras there, so sorry about that. So we'll, we'll all get into it. But what is your reaction here today? You know, I, I would say that I bet you're not surprised. I may have gotten one tweet, from, just maybe one, where somebody said, "Wow, where's this coming from?" and and I wanted to. Res- it was it was a tweet that said, "Wow, this is shocking," and I wanted to say, "How could it possibly be shocking?" With everything that's been going on, with you listen to yesterday's show, you listen to Chris and the other guys at the zone. I mean, how could it be shocking? You know, because we've basically been pointing to this for a while now. So, here we are. State's making a coaching change. Who's it going to be? What happened? What were the factors? All of that and more. And I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, some mistakes that really were the difference uh, for this staff and this team the last two years. Your phone calls and texts coming up next in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. All right, back. Back with you on this Friday. I had to be reminded earlier what day it is. It's, you know, the... Christmas holidays, you get out of school and you travel around and you forget what day it is. I forgot what day it is. <laughs> Fluffy was the first guy to text the show today at 885-ESPN. 885-ESPN is the text line. 995-1059 is the Divinity Equipment phone. Give me a call. Coming to those phone calls next. Fluffy was the first guy to text and he said, Fred Smoot for head coach. Well, it's a nice text, Fluffy, but it ain't happening. <laughs> as if you needed me to tell you that. All right. First up, let's see who's been hanging on the longest. That would be Jay in Baltimore on the Divinity Equipment phone. Hey, Jay. Hey, man. It's hard to argue against the decision to, to remove uh, Coach Moorhead from the program. The trajectory, uh, it's been going, it's been heading south from day one um, of his tenure. Um, you mentioned momentum just a few minutes ago that Joe had coming into the program. What level of momentum do you believe this incoming coach will have in Starville, and what are the first-year expectations? Really good question. What was the first part of it? I got hung up on you said what are the expectations in the first year for the new coach. Yeah, well, everything's – well, you, you talked about momentum. Um, yeah. What type of momentum does he have going in? And obviously probably talking about returning players. Um, and then expectations are, are based on what he's, what he's got around him 
and mm-hmm. what uh, what do you think he's going to do in his first year? Okay, yeah. So that's a good question because it almost it almost feels like that the expectation in year one for this new coach will be a much different than expectations were in year one for Moorhead. Because, you know, year one for Moorhead, we we pretty much knew. We had first-round type guys and Jeffrey Simmons and and Sweat and Abram on that one side of the ball, and you had a dynamic quarterback in Fitz, and you were wondering how he was going to be used and all that kind of stuff. So the, the expectations were different then. And I would say now – you know, nobody has illusions of having three first-round draft picks on one side of either side of the ball in the first year for this next guy. And there's a question about quarterback. I, right now, nobody really knows what's going to happen. Is Schrader going to stay? You know, the belief is that he came to Mississippi State because of Joe Moorhead, was recruited by him when Joe was at Penn State. They developed a relationship, and he was the first signee when Joe goes to Mississippi State. So would he stay play for someone else? I don't know the answer to that. What about Keaton Thompson? I don't know the answer to that. So to me, I think the expectations are a little lower in year one for this next guy than they were in year one for um, Moorhead. But uh, having said that, Jay, and, and I'll answer it, and then I'm going to move on to the other calls. Jay, I think you're going to have a veteran offensive line who, if they are whipped into shape, should be good. They underachieved too much. See the bowl game. Uh, there's a chance that Cotton Hill may change his mind and come back. We'll see. We don't know. But yeah. if he doesn't, you're going to have all young and experienced running backs, you know, to go along potentially a quarterback. I mean, pass catchers are going to be okay. Um, you're not really losing anything there. And, and so then you go to the defensive side of the ball. And Willie Gay's the best player on that side of the ball. He's likely back. Uh, there's a good chance that Errol Thompson's back. You do lose some pieces, but there's also much coming back. You're going to be older on your defensive front and experience on your defensive front next year. So there are players there that the right coach can win with right now. And that's what I believe. Now, how many wins? We'll see. Thanks for the call, Jay, as always. Michael, hanging on the uh, phone line. What's up, Michael? How you doing today, man? Just right. Thank you. I, as you know, the past few times I've called in, as you know, I'm a Moorhead supporter. But first and foremost, I will I will quote what Steve Robertson always says on his show. He, we are Mississippi State supporters, so we want what's best for Mississippi State. Now, with that being said, I want to just point out some things that I really would have believed to be true if Moorhead had stayed. I'm going to throw out this coach's name, Matt. And Now, when I say this, people are immediately going to go, oh, Mike, uh, no. But in Dabo Sweeney's first two years at Clemson, he was 9-5 and five and 6-7. and seven. What was Moorhead's first two years? 8-5, and 6-7. And, and then my, my whole point is, I believe in year three we were going to see some changes. But with that being said, as we as we all know, football is a business, and if the fam, if the support is not there, then tickets don't get sold, and then the money doesn't come, and football drives the boat. So I just want to say this to all those Mississippi State fans: we need to support 
and encourage our players and whoever the coach is going to be and the staff and not discourage or blame this or blame that. And let's just come together and support and cheer for Mississippi State because that's who we are. We love Mississippi State. Michael, thanks for the call. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, let's see. JR on the text line said, Hey, Matt, do you think, like me, that the next coach at Mississippi State is going to be named either Napier or Hudspeth? 90% either one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not ready to go down on record as saying that yet. I think it's a little bit more open ended than that at this point. It's just my thought. Jason, you're up next on the Divinity Equipment phone. What's up, Jason? Uh, nothing much. Just sitting down here watching the news with all this. Um, I, if it, it's awful that this stuff happened, but I think it's kind of obvious that it needed to. It was either going to happen now or next yeah. year. Yeah. Well, and and Jason, I think when you say okay, it's either going to happen now or next year. That's when coaches are, are, get fired. Is when the administration. Yeah reaches a point where they believe, okay, this is no longer a long-term thing anymore, right? And then you just yeah. – then it's a matter of cut and bait. As long as the administration still believes that this guy is the long-term answer somewhere, they don't ever fire him. It's just when you reach a point when – well, I'll put it this way, it's, to use kind of a metaphor. This old saying I heard a long time ago um, – True change happens when the pain of same becomes too great. When you just can't keep on keeping on like you're keeping on. You can't do it anymore. That's when things happen. And so this was a deal where I think they reached a point where they realized, okay, look, some stuff has happened and gone on. It's gotten to a point where it's kind of irreparable, either within the culture of the team and or between the team and the fan base. We can't get it back together, so now we we have no choice but to move on. And I think that's where it was. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, just watching the offense the last two years. You know, with the exception of a couple of games here and there, it's like when we played somebody that actually had a defense and was you know competent. It was like even the players on the field didn't know what we were doing half the time. Right, and it made me think, you know. What we need, I, I don't really care who state hires, but this is the personality that I want is somebody that's going to tell the quarterback to take the ball two or three seconds, they run it down somebody's throat <laughs> and call it a day. There's none of this <laughs> jiving around on the field, you know, trying to read everything like they've been doing the last two years. Sure. Well, um, there was just no – even if they hadn't made a coaching change, Jason, there's no question in my mind they were – going to have to be forced to change the way they approach offense. It isn't working. It hasn't worked. It's, it's a mismatch. Mm-hmm. It's a mismatch against SEC defenses. It is. And it's, so it's, we're not talented enough. I agree. And so therefore if you you know if if Moorhead and his guys, you know, couldn't confidently say, yes, we'll just totally revamp the way we're doing offense, then you got to give somebody else a shot. I mean, that's just kind of where you are on it. Thanks, Jason. Hey, it's always good to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Miko on the text line. Plain and simple, he says, as an MSU fan, I want him to put all the marbles and jacks on the table and go after Joe Brady. Bring back 
Uh, Brad Peterson, he says, go hire Derek Nix and also bring back Tony Hughes to help with shoring up the recruits that just signed and the ones in the next signing period, hashtag go get Joe Brady. I don't know that you'll be able to outspend LSU. <laughs> I don't. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Even as an assistant, I don't know that you'll be able to outspend LSU to keep him. Bulldog Barney says, I hate it for Coach Joe Moorhead, but moving on. Cohen said he had a wide range list of interested coaches, but it seems pretty much it'll be Napier after the Louisiana Lafayette Bowl game. He says, uh, your take on Hudspeth Clark Napier against something retired or other bigger name coaches like Chiswick, Miles, Meyer, Grantham, etc. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm not speculating. I'm strictly Bulldog Barney going to address the names on your list. Okay? Number one, Billy Napier. That's the hot name. It's in every rumor. I don't know that it's directly coming from anybody involved in the coaching search. Billy Napier didn't get hired the first go-around on the coaching carousel. You go, why? Well, I talked to someone last night who's familiar with him, and he said, the thing about Billy is he told people, like, for instance, Ole Miss reached out to Billy Napier. They just wanted a simple interview. He says, I'm not talking to anybody until after the Sun Belt Championship game we're playing in. I don't want any distractions. Well, now he's playing in a bowl game. How are we to know that he's even talked to anyone at this point? Hudspeth absolutely should be a candidate, in my opinion. Bill Clark should be a candidate, in my opinion. My opinion. Bill Clark, take your players and beat his or his and beat yours. Other names. Chiswick? That might be a fit. Les Miles? No. Urban Meyer? No chance. Todd Grantham? Get him back on campus however you got to get him back on campus. Older, been everywhere, mean, tough, aggressive. (laughs) Get him back. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Here are your numbers. 885-ESPN is the text line. 601-885-ESPN. Text me. You can call the show at 995-1059. That's the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the United States of America. Here, I'll leave the numbers up for you. There you go. Glad to be with you on this Friday. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know how you're tuning in. There's lots of ways to do it. But however you're listening, whether it's on your phone, streaming it on Facebook or Twitter, listening Over the good old-fashioned radio to 105.9 The Zone as you listen live, or maybe you're listening to the replay of this show in Vicksburg, and it'll be VBG Talk Radio, or maybe up in Batesville, 100.5, excuse me, WBLE, Batesville, Northwest Mississippi. Hey to everybody listening, however you're tuning in. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, say it with me. Go with the home team. They are your home team. Farm Bureau insurance agents across the state of Mississippi. The text line says, what are the odds of Joe Judge? Joe is a former Mississippi State player who has been on the staff with the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick for, what, 12 years now? And is about to start interviewing for some head head coaching gigs uh, around the NFL. 
it's just such a different animal in the NFL. Now, he obviously played college football, but coaching and recruiting in college versus coaching in the NFL, two entirely different animals. That's why when people bring up Dan Mullen's name with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, to me, Dan is a perfect fit for an NFL job because he's a football coach who, I mean, he recruits because it's necessary, not because he loves recruiting. And in the NFL, you don't have to fool with that. Just go coach football. Adam on the text line says, listening in Colorado, love the show. Who's at the top of the list if you're John Cohen? And is someone more than likely in place for them to have pulled the trigger? Is it Napier? I I don't know. I mean, conventional wisdom. Best case scenario is you don't fire somebody until you have the next hire. Already kind of sort of lined up. I get it. That's not always the case. You can't always just assume that's the case. Yes, it's best case scenario. You hope that's the case, but you don't know. If we, let's put it this way. If we look up and on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, they go, boom, here we are introducing Billy Napier as the new head coach at State. We will know then that they already had it lined up and we're waiting for their bowl game to finish on Monday. But if we get to Tuesday, Wednesday, that doesn't happen. Then we know, well, maybe there's actually you know, sure enough search going on. We'll see. We shall see. Hey, real quick before I get to some of the other texts, a whole bunch of them here to get to, by the way. Lots of unnamed textures. Tyler, Gator Nation, a bunch of others. I'm going to get to them. But I want to point out a couple of things, and I really hope you'll pay attention to this. And hey to everybody on Facebook. I know I have not read a ton of the comments on the show, but yes, I have read a lot of them during the break and and others flipping through. Lots of people watching on Facebook. Listen, let me uh, point out to you, I want you to be clear on what my opinions are as to some of the things that were negative factors, mistakes that led to this coaching change. Nobody, including me, has said a negative word about Joe Moorhead personally. He's a great guy. He really is. He was so good with the media. He was good to us on radio. So easy to deal with. Uh, Like him a lot. Great family. And all those things are not just patting him on the back because now he's been fired. Those are legit things. Would say it before the firing. Did say it before he was fired. This is just strictly job-related, performance on the field-related, and a couple of other things. So here, mistake number one. If you paid attention pretty early on, there was the wrong approach to where the program was and where the team was and everything. There was the wrong approach. If you paid attention pretty early on, there was this thing of, you know, we're going to go from good to great. That's fine. But then it morphed into a couple times of, really sort of almost kind of disparaging the the program's history, the program's past as a way to put it in perspective that the expectations should be a little lower than they are. Um, and this is, again, coming from Coach Moorhead. This idea that there was some revisionist history going on that fans and everybody were expecting a little too much because there hadn't necessarily been a whole lot of winning going on in the history of the program. 
If you'll remember, they were, you know, he pointed out there's one conference championship back in the 1940s, you know, and stuff like that. It was a way to dampen, frankly, some of the expectations fans had for the team and the program coming out of the Mullen era, as opposed to using that as fuel to try to build on it. That was just an, an incredible mistake. It was a huge mistake. It's not a winning approach. And I didn't like it. I tell you, it was similar to when Sylvester Croom got the job. Now, yes, when Sylvester Croom got the job in 2000, before the 2004 season, December of 2003, the program had fallen flat. They were non-competitive for two straight years on the field. It was, it was bad, but he took the job. And immediately his message back then was tear it down, right down to the foundation, burn the rubble, clear the land, and rebuild from scratch. Must start over. And even got on the microphone and said, it will be years before we win in this program. You may actually feel that way. That may be what you're thinking. But to get on the microphone and publicly say that and take that approach openly is career suicide. It's incredibly, incredibly wrong to do. Especially when, at that time, Kroon, again, we're talking December 2003, all he had to do was say, look, they haven't won recently. But just four years ago, this program was in the SEC championship game as Western Division champs, and we're going to get back there as soon as we can. Find something positive, build on it. But instead, from day one, we're going to do everything we can to lower expectations, therefore they'd be easier to meet. That's just the wrong approach. Huge mistake. Another mistake was blaming a lot of stuff on the quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald, in year one. Inability to throw and problems with the offense. Well, if you're going to take that approach, then when he's gone, it better work. And as it turns out, with the offense, sure, it may have been difficult. Sure, maybe in year one there was some things that maybe Nick wasn't ready to do in the past game. But to not figure out a way to be better and more consistent on offense with a guy like Nick Fitzgerald, that ain't Nick Fitzgerald's fault. Because a kid could play and he's tough as nails. He may be the toughest guy to ever put on the uniform at Mississippi State. That was a huge mistake. Now, hindsight's 2020. It was a mistake to bring in Tommy Stevens this year. Injuries, all that, not going to dwell on it. And then one of the bigger mistakes, I think, that you could point to is the decision to promote from within on the strength and conditioning staff after the guy left to go to the pros last year, instead of taking the approach that we're going to ramp it up in strength and conditioning, we're going to go hire someone who, frankly, is a hot ticket item because he's really good and it's going to cost us a lot of money, but it's so important to our program that we're going to make a, we're going to pay very, very uh, heavily a good strength and conditioning coach to instill a program. We're going to turn him loose. He's going to be our disciplinarian. He's going to work them harder than they've ever worked, and we're going to make a star out of this guy because there's pressure. And to take the other approach was a big mistake. Those are mistakes. Now you go, well, Matt, 
It wasn't all bad. No, they did some good things. You think about the the win over Auburn last year in 2018. What a big deal that was. They had to have it. It was a must-win game, and they not only won it, they ran Auburn out of the stadium. Probably the high point for the program under Joe Moorhead in two years. That was good. They did beat Ole Miss twice. Now, it was really bad Ole Miss teams. It was the kind of Ole Miss teams that, frankly, you would have had to really try really hard to lose to them. But you did beat them. Hey, and look, recruiting. It is no little thing. We talked about it on signing day. What is it, the first time since they've been keeping up with recruiting rankings? The first time they since they've been keeping up with it, that state has had three straight top 25 recruiting classes. That is something. It, it, that is a positive. That is a deal where even if they partially keep that group of players over the course of three years to three signing classes together and get them on campus, then the next guy has a much better chance to have some success because of the recruiting they did. You have to compliment them for that. But other than that, that's about the positives in the program. The mistakes that they made, the poor decisions that they made, the taking the wrong approach decision that they made, all that stuff wound up outweighing the positives that they accomplished over the course of two years. That's kind of where I fall on it. All right. We're going to hang up the stream, start it again for hour number two coming up. If you're listening on the radio, we're not going anywhere. One more hour to go here in the Farm Bureau studio. Coming up next, Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated, one of the guys who broke the story this morning. We will talk with him next on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.